Goodman Brown's approach and walked onward side by side with him. You are late, Goodman Brown, said he. The clock of the old South was striking as I came through Boston, and that is full fifteen minutes agone. Faith kept me back a while, replied the young man, with a tremor in his voice caused by the sudden appearance of his companion, though not wholly unexpected. It was now deep dusk in the forest, and deepest in that part of it where these two were journeying. As nearly as could be discerned, the second traveller was about fifty years old, apparently in the same rank of life as Goodman Brown, and bearing a considerable resemblance to him, though perhaps more in expression than features. Still, they might have been taken for father and son. And yet, though the elder person was as simply clad as the younger, and as simple in manner, too, he had an indescribable air of one who knew the world, and who would not have felt abashed at a governor's dinner-table or in King William's court, were it possible that his affairs should call him thither. But the only thing about him that could be fixed upon as remarkable was his staff, which bore the likeness of a great black snake, so curiously wrought that it might almost be seen to twist and wriggle itself like a living serpent. This, of course, must have been an ocular deception, assisted by the uncertain light. "'Come, Goodman Brown,' cried his fellow-traveller. "'This is a dull pace for the beginning of a journey. Take my staff, if you are so soon weary.' "'Friend,' said the other, exchanging his slow pace for a full stop, Having kept covenant by meeting thee here, it is my purpose now to return whence I came. I have scruples touching the matter thou wotst of. Sayest thou so? replied he of the serpent, smiling apart. Let us walk on, nevertheless reasoning as we go. And if I convince thee not, thou shalt turn back. We are but a little way in the forest yet. Too far, too far, exclaimed the goodman, unconsciously resuming his walk. My father never went into the woods on such an errand, nor his father before him. We have been a race of honest men and good Christians since the days of the martyrs. And shall I be the first of the name of Brown that ever took this path and kept such company, thou would say? observed the elder person, interpreting his pause. "'Well said, Goodman Brown. I have been as well acquainted with your family as with ever a one among the Puritans, and that's no trifle to say. I helped your grandfather, the constable, when he lashed the Quaker woman so smartly through the streets of Salem, and it was I that brought your father a pitch-pine knot, kindled at my own hearth.' to set fire to an Indian village in King Philip's war. They were my good friends, both, and many a pleasant walk have we had along this path, and returned merrily after midnight. I would fain be friends with you for their sake. If it be as thou sayest, replied Goodman Brown, I marvel they never spoke of these matters, or verily I marvel not, seeing that the least rumour of the sort would have driven them from New England. We are a people of prayer, and good works to boot, 
and abide no such wickedness. Wickedness or not, said the traveller with a twisted staff, I have a very general acquaintance here in New England. The deacons of many a church have drunk the communion wine with me. The selectmen of diverse towns make me their chairman, and a majority of the great and general court are firm supporters of my interest. The governor and I, too, but these are state secrets. Can this be so? cried Goodman Brown, with a stare of amazement at his undisputed companion. Howbeit I have nothing to do with the governor and council. They have their own ways, and are no rule for a simple husbandman like me. But were I to go on with thee, how should I meet the eye of that good old man, our minister, at Salem Village?